This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, March 28th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, Human Brain Effects of DMT Assessed via EEG and fMRNI, is in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. In this study, the authors examined the effects of DMT on brain function using EEG and functional MRI. They found dysregulating effect on activity in the transmodal association pole, an area with high expression of serotonin 2A receptors. They also found increased communication between TOP and the rest of the brain, which may be evidence of increased information processing and hyperassociative cognition. Next is a prospective study titled Inpatients in Substance Use Treatment with Co-Occurring Psychiatric Disorders in BMC Psychiatry. This study examines patients receiving inpatient treatment for substance use disorder, where a co-occurring psychiatric diagnosis was present in 47% of patients. Assessment for relapse at three-month follow-up was completed by 70% of patients. Patients with a co-occurring psychiatric diagnosis had a relapse rate of 40% compared to 26% of those without the diagnosis. A new study in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health is titled A National Portrait of Public Attitudes Towards Opioid Use in the United States. The authors surveyed public attitudes about opioid use, emailing a random selection of households that are a part of the organization Amerispeak. Responses fell into three groups. Number one, high stigma and high punitive at 37%. Number two, high stigma and mixed punitive at 38%. And three, low stigma at 25%. College education was associated with a reduced probability of high stigma. Next, we have a study in scientific records titled Examining Associations Between MDMA, Ecstasy, and Classic Psychedelic Use and Impairments in Social Functioning in a U.S. Adult Sample. This study investigated the connection between use of these substances and social impairment and found that lifetime MDMA or ecstasy use was associated with lowered odds of the following difficulties. Dealing with strangers, participating in social activities, and being prevented from participating in social activities due to mental health issues. A new study in Lancet Public Health is titled Proportions of and Trends in Exposure to Pro-Tobacco and Anti-Tobacco Advertisements Among Young Adolescents Aged 12 Through 16 Years in 142 Countries from 1999 to 2018. This study found that exposure to tobacco advertisements remains high, with exposure to anti-tobacco advertisements less high. The proportion of young adults exposed to both types of advertisements in both countries has decreased over time. The next study is in JAMA Network Open, titled High-Dose Buprenorphine Initiation in the Emergency Department Among Patients Using Fentanyl and Other Opioids. This retrospective cohort study compared buprenorphine treatment initiation, response, and follow-up between CA Bridge Emergency Department patients who reported and who did not report fentanyl use. Of some 900 patients with opioid use disorder, 9.7% reported fentanyl use. Of the 55% who were administered buprenorphine, 9.5% used fentanyl, with a dose of buprenorphine of 8 through 32 milligrams. There were only two cases of precipitated withdrawal among the patients reporting fentanyl use. 
Results demonstrate that high-dose buprenorphine administered in the emergency department for patients in withdrawal benefits those using fentanyl. Our next article, titled Assessment of a Text Message-Based Smoking Cessation Intervention for Adult Smokers in China, is in JAMA Network Open. In this randomized clinical trial of 700 current smokers in China, participants received a behavior change theory-based smoking cessation intervention using personalized text messages. These participants had a six-month quit rate that was twice that of participants who received an intervention using non-personalized text messages. These findings provide new evidence supporting the utility of mobile health methods for smoking cessation. Our final article, titled Prescription Psychostimulants for Cocaine Use Disorder, is in Addiction Biology. The authors review the evidence for the use of prescription psychostimulants as potential treatment. Prescription psychostimulants have similar pharmacological effects to cocaine, increasing monoamine levels, and in animal models has been shown to decrease abuse-related behavior and self-administration of cocaine. While the data is limited, the authors suggest prescription psychostimulant use as part of comprehensive treatment plans may increase patient initiation of and retention in treatment with improved outcomes. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and asam.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.